What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Right now on Fast, we are wrapping up what has been an ugly month, an ugly quarter for stocks with another slate of losses. The Nasdaq down 10% in September. The Dow down more than 6% in Q3. Major markets all on pace for a historically bad year. But is there hope ahead as we get ready to kick off Q4? Plus, a new era for Meta. Sheryl Sandberg officially leaving the company, formerly known as Facebook, after 14 years. So what's in store for the stock now? And biotech for a bounce amid a sea of red this week. The sector managed to gain three and a half percent since Monday, and the charts may suggest there's even more upside ahead. We'll give you a way to play it. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money. We're live in the NASDAQ market site in the heart of Times Square. On the desk tonight, Tim Seymour, Steve Grasso, Jeff Mills, and Julie Beal of Kane Anderson Rudnick. And we start off with a September to remember, but maybe not so fondly. Major markets rounding out the quarter with big monthly losses. The Dow dropping nearly nine percent, its worst month since March 2020, its worst September since 2002. The losses pushing all major indices into the red for Q3. The S&P and Nasdaq both locking in their longest quarterly losing streak since the financial crisis. What's in store as we kick off the all-important holiday quarter? There's some reasons to worry. Nike and Rent-A-Center's latest earnings report, both raising red flags about the consumer. And this morning's sentiment report came in worse than expected. So is it possible? Is there hope that the consumer can save us all? Tim Seymour, what do you say? The consumer always saves us, Mel. And so I I think in this economy, which is a consumption-driven economy, I think folks know that it's about 70% of the economy. And that's why there may be more reason to be concerned about uh, stalwarts like Nike pulling back. And and obviously today was a day when you looked at other uh, pristine, best-in-class brands like a Lululemon, which had also a very difficult day. And if the consumer is struggling, uh, then you have to question the multiple you're putting on these companies. I don't think you question the 44% 44% inventory increase at Nike as much as you question uh, to what extent is the consumer going to start to run out of gas and to the extent that they started to allude to promotions. I'll just say this. The consumer has a job. And this has been it was another important theme of the week, especially right. as we heard to Fed officials right and left. We had two more today. We had Barkin and we had we had Brainerd and we had and we had folks that were basically telling us we see the labor market as being stronger for longer, just like their rates higher for longer will continue. Mortgage rates close to 7 percent this week. Auto loans going Going higher, uh, revolving credit going higher. The consumer has pressure from all over the place, but they have a job and they have a balance sheet that still looks pretty good. Um, so I think in the environment, we talked about this as it relates to Nike and some of these companies. I think these are opportunities to be nibbling at these brands. As someone that's long Nike, that's probably not a surprise. But even on Lulu, uh, at around 26 times forward, that's discretionary that I think a lot of people have wanted to own on weakness. I think this is one of those times, even though I don't think you need to build that full position tomorrow. Unemployment high means rates higher for longer as well, Jeff, which which means that vice that Tim was talking about, squeezing the consumer in terms of credit costs, are just it's just going to continue to get tighter. This as it seems like consumers are dipping into their savings at this point in order to keep, keep spending. 
Yeah, I think that's right, Mel. And I think that's part of the problem. You know, the Fed isn't going to blink with initial claims coming down with PCE hotter than expected. You know, I, I think the chances that they hike too much or the chances that they've already hiked too much uh, are pretty high at this point. So I think I said this last Friday, but the chance that unemployment is higher six months from now than it is today is a pretty good one. And what we've seen so far in the consumer space and really for a lot of companies is that nominal spending has looked good. That's helped nominal revenue. So not adjusted for inflation. And we've talked about the idea that it's been higher prices, but less units sold. And I think that's part of what's been propping up the optimistic narrative relative to the consumer and really relative to revenues and earnings overall. And you mentioned the savings rate, 3.5% in August. That's down from 7.5% earlier in the year. So you have savings uh, that are coming down. You have spending that's relying on those savings. And that just can't happen forever. And I I think I said this last week too, but it's worth repeating. Right now, you probably want less discretionary in terms of spending. So what worked today? It was the dollar generals. It was the dollar trees. Um, You know, not necessarily up, but certainly outperforming. Uh, The last thing I'll say, though, just relative to Nike, and I tend to agree with Tim, we talked about that $100 level as sort of a key point. It knifed through that last week, 15% down since then. So, you know, I think there could be more downside, certainly. But you get a a stock like Nike below $80, it it has to start to become interesting. You have to start putting money to work there if it's a name that you've been looking at. The broader issue, though, Julie, is that if if other retailers are in Nike's boat in terms of all this inventory going into the holiday season, marking it down left and right just before people are getting ready to really go holiday shopping, that could cannibalize actual fuller price sales down the line. Yeah, absolutely. I think we should all be concerned about the level of inventory of a sophisticated player like Nike. You know, I think the early concern for me was when Target started to say, "Uh oh, our inventory isn't looking so great. Again, these companies all have very sophisticated modeling technology that helps them ascertain how much inventory they need to have and what kind. And so for them to be stumbling at this level, it's concerning. And it means that probably every retailer is facing markdown pressure. You know, I think if you look at margins for pretty much every every retailer you can think of, both on the wholesale side as well, I think there's a lot of risk into those numbers. So while I agree that long term, I think the prospects for Nike are very positive, you really have to be a long term investor to get bold up about it right now. I, I think it's there's more downside to come in this space. You know, the situation we might be in right now, Grasso, is that the consumer could, in fact, continue to spend could put it on their credit cards, could use savings, et cetera. But they're going to buy fewer units, suggest point, because things cost more. And each of those units have smaller margins for a retailer, uh, like a Nike, for instance, which actually said that margins will be very compressed um, in this coming year. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, so the key is margins. And the other key is where Tim started off the show the consumer has a job, but for how long? Because the, the Fed needs to crush demand. In order to crush demand, he's got to kill jobs. If the consumer doesn't have a job, then we're going to be in a totally different situation down the road. But it is about margins. Nike warned about margins. The CFO said it's going to be a promotional uh, environment, as you alluded to. What does that make me think of? TJ, uh, TJX, Raw Stars. If you look at both of those, their three-month performance is up 11% for TJX and 20% for Raw Stars. So Jeff gave you a dollar tree, I think. I'll give you a five below. Three months performance up 23%. Go down the food chain. This is 
this is technically the way we're, we're going down this road to a recession. The Fed has to push the economy into recession or they fail. So they will. So go down the area where margins are less impactful to the companies that you're buying. Tim, I know you, uh, you have been known to shop for the holidays yes, at I have. Walgreens or CVS. They I, have fine you gifts, by the way. You get something on Christmas Eve, Mel. I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> aren't they open 24-7? Is, is that the answer, though? You go to the trade-down trade, well, I so think, to speak. Well, I think, first of all, Walgreens has been a disaster. It's another stock I, I've got a position in, and it's been frustrating because on, on multiple and also in terms of their margin level, in terms of some of the drivers for the business, uh, especially in some of their OTC farm and wellness, it, you know, I think the, the story is very well intact. Uh, in Walmart's case, there's absolutely a trade down. And I think we've discussed this. And as much as Walmart, we've talked about them as uh, maybe the most sophisticated retailer out there and someone that's had some of the biggest problems and has already kind of come clean with it. That's actually one of the charts that really uh, it's had a t- kind of a tough couple days, but but largely off of those lows, off of that announcement, this has been one of the better charts in retail. I consider to think that this is a company that you're trading, first of all, right just slightly north of a market multiple, but someone that when you consider grocery costs and things that I don't think are going to come down too quickly, it's actually good for Walmart. And in terms of their ability to actually push around suppliers and, and be a price driver, I kind of like that story. Um, Walmart is a place I'm comfortable. All right. Meantime, we've been talking about Nike. Nike actually posting its worst day since 2002 after its earnings report last night. Last week, the chartmaster predicted the stock would see a, quote, real plunge, a crash of sorts. Wow. Wasn't that precious. So where, does, where does he see the stock headed now? Let's bring in Carter Worth of Worth Charting. Now what, Carter? <laughs> I don't really know. I, I mean, you know, I, I, one thing we know, let's just before we look at the charts, if you think about it, before today, Puma and Adidas were both down 52% and Nike was down 42%. Uh, they are a highly correlated uh, series of stocks. Nike was just holding out, and then now, of course, the sort of the f- floor has fallen out. It, tough to press a short here, and yet at the same time, buying it. Why? Just because it's down? Let's look at a few charts. You can draw the lines this way. You see that descending a wedge, doesn't matter what you call it, a descending triangle, and then drops in gaps out through the bottom, just like FedEx did and so many others. Look at a longer term chart of that same sort of setup. And we've you can see it there on the screen. We've we've pierced through the, the lower band of that formation. If we pull it back a little further, draw another line, you can see this has been all very sort of symmetrical on the way up. Uh, the stock fails up against trend on the way down. And now where can it go? Let's keep going a little bit longer term. The the real issue is this. This is the channel, the trend line that's been in effect since the 09 low. And we breached it today. And in fact, I've got an, a chart since the stock's IPO uh, going back to December of 1980. And we breached that trend line as well. Uh, there's just no reason to step in here and buy it. It's what a classic, not to say it's cheap, but the thinking that it is cheap is a trap. A value trap. Carter, wow. Mm. Um, we'll see you shortly on Options Action. Jeff Mills, do you think Nike's a value? You just said you, you would think it's interesting. Change your mind? Well, yeah, I said I think, that, <laughs> I think that there's probably more downside to go, but if it gets below, you know, that $80, I think you at least have to start buying, right? We don't know where the exact bottom is going to be. I'm describing this difficult environment relative to employment and spending. So there are headwinds there, but this is a stock that's now down a lot versus, say, you know, a Dick Sporting Goods, for example, where the chart actually still looks pretty good. But I have a hard time that stocks like that or, you know, even a stock like Apple, I keep talking about this, they're going to be able to levitate in the face of all of this. So you have a stock 
stock like Nike, which has already been beaten up. Of course, there could be more downside. Like I said, I think there probably will be. But those are names that you should be looking at versus some of these stocks that maybe have more downside to go. Um, so that, that's, that's, I think, the, the challenge that investors are dealing with right now. But, but again, focus on those names that are down a lot. Uh, and I think that's probably where the opportunities are. Grasso, you like the charts and you like to make bold calls. So I ask you this. Will Nike see its pandemic lows? About 68 or so? So, yeah, so, so the pandemic low, yeah, you're, you're right. It's, that's, that's the ballpark. It's actually trading uh, around the 50% between the February 2020 and the pandemic lows. And if you look for support, you go back to 2019, right around Jeff's $80 mark. And that's where you get some support there. So I think that you, you're okay to nibble. And we, we, we describe nibble as, first of all, three-day rules, yes. Nibble, a quarter position. But I, I'm going to throw you, I think you're okay to nibble in Nike, but I'm going to throw you in a would you rather and throw in Dix in there because Jeff mentioned it. Dix is up 34% in three months. It has momentum. Would you rather DKS? Are you answering your own would you rather with DKS or are you asking the panel would you rather because last I checked I do the questioning so I'm not really clear on who this question is directed to so who would you like to ask Steve Grasso I'll go with Tim for 500 please All right Mr. Seymour you heard Mr. Grasso he's asking you a question please answer Well uh, would I rather Well you're in Nike so you rather Nike I mean I I have to I Carter scared the heck out of me when going back to the IPO chart and having breached that. But but uh, I like that April and even that September of 2019 level that I think is very important. I think uh, some of those intraday draft, uh, you know, down day drafts on the low of COVID are things that we are looking at. But ultimately, I think the real test for this company is an environment where rates were a little bit higher in a place where the consumer um, had less of a job. Those are counteracting each other. I think it's pretty positive. All right. Coming up, shares of Meta closing out their fifth straight quarter of losses, the longest losing streak in that stock's history. But can new COO help turn things around? That story's next. Plus, it's been rough waters for a lot of cruise stocks lately, but this one just saw its worst day since April 2020. We'll tell you what it is and what drove the action. Fast Money's back in two. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. It is the end of an era at Meta as longtime COO Sheryl Sandberg wraps up a 14-year tenure at the company today. Shares are down 60% this year, cutting nearly $250 billion from its market cap. But can things turn around under new leadership? Julia Borson's got more on this. Julia. 
Well, Melissa, you're right. Cheryl Sandberg's departure does mark the end of an era. Take a look at this video that Meta gave us from Tuesday. This was her last day in the office at the company's Menlo Park headquarters. They call this a clap out. Uh, and her departure comes at a time when Meta faces its biggest challenges yet. And the stock has lost a quarter of its value just since Sandberg announced her departure on June 1st. The stock's now trading at its lowest level since early 2019. And Facebook is one of the meta is one of the worst performers in the S&P 500 this year, having lost about two thirds of its value since peaking last September. Now, even before the economic downturn, meta was facing serious challenges, including difficulty targeting and measuring ads in the wake of Apple's operating system changes, declining user and advertising growth rates in the face of growing competition from TikTok. Plus, there's antitrust and regulatory risks. And now, as the company works to pivot to focus on the metaverse and making money in the metaverse, it's also facing an overall contraction in ad spending, plus foreign exchange headwinds. Analyst Yusuf Squally lowering his price target on the stock and warning, quote, top-line headwinds are likely to persist through the second half of 2022. But with the stock's drop, analysts are still largely bullish. 70% of analysts have a buyer overweight rating on the stock. Melissa? Julia, thank you. Julia Borston. Its forward PE is just under 14. Julie Beal, do you like this one? No, this one's not for me. Um, I think the regulatory risks are a little bit understated. I think that's frankly going to be a larger and larger problem for them. And then just in the core advertising business, CPMs, they've just been struggling. And I think going into a recession, do I really want a ton of exposure to ad budgets, especially when there is a much more innovative player in TikTok where it's completely overtaken Facebook in in terms of time spent engagement. It's, it's just much higher and much stronger. And I don't think really Facebook has what it takes to compete. They can copy. I mean, development for Facebook has moved from Snapchat to um, TikTok. But I, I, I think I'm pretty concerned about this one long term. Value trade or value trap, Jeff? It's sort of hard for me to say this just because of the way I feel about the broad market. But part of me feels like there's at least some opportunity here. To, to your point, 13 times earnings, still very profitable, high free cash flow. And it still is an important tool for businesses relative to advertising. So I'm feeling like this is a stock that maybe you can step into here, not look at it for three years and do pretty well. But you know, if you are being tactical, I tend to agree with what Julie's saying. If you look at the chart, it's testing support from 2018, uh, 2020. So if it breaks below that, there could be more downside. And, you know, just generally speaking, with all the uncertainty in the market right now, you know, the metaverse is creating, you know, some doubt about the strategic direction of the business. And then if there is that pressure on the core advertising business, you could see earnings come down. So this is a stock that I think you can buy lower. But again, realizing you're never going to tick the bottom, I think there is some long-term value here at these prices. Not just the direction, but the spend um, and the size of the spend to get the company into the metaverse. You know, once upon a time when this company was Teflon and you can throw a Cambridge Analytica at it or whatever you want at it and it still bounced back, the argument was that it was the only place to go, particularly for small and medium-sized businesses. I would think it still has that sort of destination status even if there's a broad pullback, it still would stand out compared to peers, Tim. Yeah, although that was before the Apple operating dynamics and some mm. of the things that have made their ability to really price uh, you know, their, their service. I also 
I look at the CPM declines that we have in, in year over year, you know, down 20 percent. We just got some of these numbers. And if you look at the a four point decline just from July to August off of comps that I thought would have been pretty good. So um, I think they're caught in as much cyclicality as any company. I know we have a lot of other problems for these companies. We talk about them all the time. Um, I kind of think you priced in a lot of bad stuff. Again, I'll, I'll go back to my dollar argument. Uh, after a 28% of the de- move in the dollar in 15 months, um, they've got a 6% FX headwind at Facebook that also I think is a big deal that I think gets easier over the next 12 months. So easier comps. Uh, we priced in a ton of cyclicality. These media companies, and that's what this is, uh, price this in before almost any other part of the economy. Coming up, we're going back, back. Way back to 1992, that's the last time this stock traded at its current levels. We'll tell you what it is and bring you the news that sent shares sinking today and later on Options Action. Big questions about our Apple trade from last week. We called it a defensive play. That doesn't seem to be the case this week. We'll address and reassess. You're watching Fast Money Live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. Back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. We got a buzzkill on Carnival. Shares of the cruise line plunging 23% after reporting a bigger than expected loss for Q3 and forecasting another loss in the fourth quarter. The company citing higher fuel prices, lower fares as major headwinds. Norwegian and Royal Caribbean falling in sympathy today. Those three stocks were the worst S&P 500 performers, with Carnival trading at lows not seen since 1992. Were you born? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I was practically in college. No, I was in college. Steve Grasso, what do you say about CCL? Yeah, so so the cruise space, on this one specifically, the, the it turns out the estimates looked like they were too high. Guidance was too weak. But if you really get into the numbers, Melissa, revenue from last quarter was up 80%. Occupancy was up 15%, I believe the number was, to a rate of 85% now. They're booking, according to the uh, management team, they're booking back to 2019 levels. Yet, Carnival is the only one out of the cruise lines that's trading below the pandemic low. So I think this one, if you're going into less money in consumers' pockets, maybe they go for a lower-priced cruise line. So I think this one's probably due for a bounce, but best in breed in, these, in, these, in the majors is Royal. It's got a lot of debt, Julie. I feel yeah, like that I think could that's be a my, problem. I, I, that's my number one concern right now. I don't want to own anything that has a lot of leverage and is also extremely levered to consumer discretionary. I think we all took our great vacations this summer, and I think pockets are going to be a little bit leaner going into the, the end of the year. I, I do agree that it's likely oversold at these levels, but as a long-term investor, to me, it's, it's just not very appealing to own, especially because I don't think it's really the best operators, as they said. Quick thoughts, Jeff. Uh, I agree with the debt. I mean, it's tripled, right? And not only has it tripled, but the, the covenants are fairly strict. So it, it's difficult for the company to maneuver relative to their business. And I look at it like banks after 2008, you know, epicenter industry. Uh, it's going to struggle for a number of years here to get things right. All right. Time for the final trade. Let's go around the horn. Steve. So I look for companies that have momentum in a volatile and negative last couple of months. And believe it or not, Netflix, you've been talking about it on air, up 35% for three months. Netflix was oversold by. Julie Beal. Continuing on our talk about inventory and the discount, Ollie's is an off-price retailer, but it's general merchandise, so no fashion risk, which I prefer. Jeff Mills. 
I'm going to be a seller of Apple again. This one's going to the June lows, probably lower. We're 8% above those June lows, so still sell it. Tim Seymour. Have a good weekend. Campbell's Soup. Have some soup. All good right. food. <laughs> that does it for us here on Fast. Options Action is up next. Stay tuned. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.